0: Yeah, bring it on. Uh, TGIF, we made it. And it's Friday. It's to get you to the weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks for being with us. Uh, a little take-two version with us on the video side, but uh, we are up and running, ready to launch, and excited to have you with us uh, here on this uh, Friday edition of uh, the PJ Show. We've got uh, Steve and I go coming up in just a little bit from Hoist the Colors. We'll talk about the latest in the transfer portal and uh, maybe even some ECU hoops and uh, all of that coming up with uh, our friend Steve and from, uh from 247 Sport, uh, Sports Hoist the Colors uh, for ECU. Brian Mull is uh, with us. In fact, he's uh, on hold right now. We'll be joining him telephonically here in just a minute as uh, the Mull man will uh, be by to talk with us uh, about college basketball. Speaking of which, ECU tomorrow will be uh, on 94.3 the game and 107.9 WNCT. It's a 4 o'clock tip against SMU. Airtime of 3.30 with Darren Vaught and Coach Mike Perry on the radio call. Cy so Seymour and myself will be joining you from uh, the courtside location on ESPN Plus at 4. Uh, let's go to uh, Brian Mull, who joins us uh, here. College basketball writer, friend of the radio program.
1: Mull, how's it going? Pretty good, P-Man. Hope uh, hope you're doing well. Having a good week.
0: Wild week in college basketball as the top three teams lose.
1: Yeah. Uh, another friendly reminder, do not get obsessed with the number beside a team's name in early January. And remember that the four teams that are in the Final Four <laughs> will probably have between five and seven losses. Uh, you know, it is just so difficult to negotiate a conference schedule, especially going on the road. It doesn't matter uh, if you are highly ranked and you go on the road, you are the Super Bowl for that team. You can expect a packed house. Uh, The students are back on campus across the country now, and the three-point shot tends to fall a little more friendlier for the home team, and the defense seems to be a little more intense. And uh, really with the transfer portal, I think – you know, much like we saw in football, the, the talent is starting to become a little more evenly distributed, which means a, a wide array of outcomes from night to night.
0: Out of the three, which one was maybe the most perplexing loss?
1: Probably Purdue. Um, you know, but uh, hats off to uh, to what Hoyberg is doing there at, um, you know, Nebraska and, and, yeah. and getting them, uh, you know, Back up to a, a place really where they've never been, uh, with uh, uh, you know the only Power Five team to never win a, a NCAA tournament game, but sitting there at 13 and three, and um, I would say that was certainly uh, you know unexpected, but um, but but at the same time uh, you know it, it is nothing should be unexpected in these conference games. I mean uh, we saw it earlier this year with Georgia Tech beating Duke. Um, in the ACC, in, the, in a road game, and uh, it's just, just uh, you know, there's going to be some wild results, especially as we get into the grind of the dog days uh, here in the coming weeks.
0: Uh, we're talking college hoops with Brian Maul, an array of games to get to uh, for the uh, weekend, and of course, as I mentioned at the offset here, we're going to have uh, ECU and SMU. Pirates are looking for their first three and one start in conference since they were in the CAA my freshman year at ECU. That's how long ago that was. They were 3-1. and one. It will be a tough putt tomorrow against a very long and very talented SMU team.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, this is a defining stretch early in Mike Schwartz's tenure at East Carolina. Um, you know, there's been a couple of bumps in the road for the pirates this season to be nine and seven but a nice solid start to conference play and really in general uh some pretty good efforts for the last month or so and and now sitting at two and one uh two two of the top teams in the american coming to greenville this week in the in the coming week uh east carolina probably a slight underdog in both of those games and a real opportunity to establish themselves among the upper tier. I mean, it's not complicated. If you want to be one of the top half teams in the American, you have to beat some of the other teams who, who belong there as well. And certainly SMU has shown with uh, just an elite defense um, That that, Uh You know, a team that really hasn't had many bad outings whatsoever. And then you want to talk about defense and physicality and grinding coming up a few days after that. North Texas, that's what you're going to get from them. So these could be some real tractor pulls, as they say, uh, and uh, every basket will be earned. And ECU, um, you know, they have their hands full because uh, they got a couple tough games on the road after that and, and certainly need to escape with at least a split of these two.
0: Uh, Pirates, Brian, with the win in Philadelphia uh, on Wednesday, they had to leave Monday because of the uh, storms on uh, Tuesday, and uh, that allowed them to go ahead and get into uh, Philadelphia, kind of get off their feet, uh, and uh, focus in and zone in. Now, look, this is not a, a world-beating Temple team or a vintage ten- uh, Temple team by any stretch, but Temple's own the Pirates uh, there in the Lacourse uh, Center. And uh, they ended up with uh, a victory uh, a pretty convincing victory uh, on the road. so what do you make of uh, that sort of watershed moment for the program under coach Swartz?
1: yeah that was a that was a nice solid win, like you say temple in, in with a first year coach in and in a major rebuild there and so that's a game that uh, road game that's available to you and you have to take advantage of and take care of your business and I thought they did the, the Pirates, you know, got great efforts from Felton Johnson and Ezra Osar as expected. But I thought the real, uh, you know, the nice moment was Cam Hayes knocking down three threes. He certainly struggled with his perimeter jump shot since he became eligible a few games ago. And the Pirates are going to need him to to give them some more uh, shooting and perimeter scoring. And I think anytime you can go on the road and shoot 43 percent, knock down nine threes, make your free throws uh play a pretty clean game as far as turnovers uh you know you're going to give yourself an an opportunity and and i think we've continued to see this ecu team improve on the defensive end um you know which is to be expected uh with with the head coach and the the staff there and that's um as you get in the conference play as we all know defense and rebounding travel from night to night and those are two things that you can count on and uh you hope that uh you know, there should be a good crowd there in Greenville this weekend, and the ECU maybe could get their offense uh, cranked up even more.
0: You've uh, obviously observed uh Mark Adams uh, following his uh progression in his career. Uh, head coach at Texas Tech was on the staff the year that Chris Beard was the headband, and they went uh, up against Virginia in the national title game. Defensively, you know, you already had Mike, uh Swartz, who was a uh, pretty heralded defensive coach, ran the defense at Tennessee for Rick Barnes. Uh, but now you add uh, Adams to the mix, and uh, it, it seems like that, that defense, especially over the last uh, four to five weeks, has really uh, started it to, much like the team, ascend. And, you know, they kind of run that deal. There's nobody in the middle, what they're doing defensively. I mean, it's in talking to Rob Lanier, the SMU coach, yesterday, he said it's very unique. Nobody else in the league is really doing that. So you've got to spend a little extra time preparing what ECU throws at you defensively.
1: Yeah. Every offensive basketball coach wants the goal of every possession is to get someone going downhill, either through a, a guard driving down the lane to the basket or a pass that, that gets, uh, you know, feeds a big man vertically and this defensive philosophy is all about stretching you out horizontally and forcing you to go east to west side to side as much as possible and uh, it's beautiful when it works because it's not a sexy defense that's going to get up in your face and force a ton of turnovers and make flashy plays it's just going to when executed properly consistently make you take tough forced shots from places where you're not comfortable taking them and conversely put the defensive team in excellent position to rebound the basketball, which is uh, you know, a necessity to end the possession. So I, I think it's a it's a sustainable style. It's one that Adams obviously knows very well that worked uh, during his tenure there at Texas Tech, and it, it seems like the Pirates are getting more comfortable with it. And if you can keep teams away from the basket and from high-percentage shots – uh, you, you've got a chance. Um, you can live with uh, maybe giving up a bunch of threes on, on a night or two, but uh, I feel like they've been, you know, East Carolina's got the athleticism on the perimeter and the length uh, to, to contest most of those shots as well. Um, so Tomorrow, it's really been fun uh, to wa- watch it develop. Yeah.
0: Tomorrow, elsewhere in the American uh, ECU starts it against uh, SMU at four on plus and then a doubleheader on uh, the U with uh Temple in North Texas the aforementioned uh, teams and then Charlotte and UTSA. Uh we as you stated you're going to see uh North Texas come in and want to grind uh the opposition uh down. They have won four in a row coming in. Got to win at Tulane convincingly. Uh last time they opened up their conference season with a uh, pretty uh pretty uh, pretty much a victory they controlled ended up winning by a dozen uh, to open at Wichita State. Uh seems like that they'll be really poised to be sitting at 3 and 0 coming uh, out of Denton into Greenville midweek.
1: Yeah, Ross Hodge has stepped in there in his first season and just has been keep beating the drum that they've been beating down there in Denton, Texas for for a long time and that is a long, slow possession on offense, and then followed by just a, a root canal on the defensive end. I mean, they're top ten in the nation in effective field goal percentage. Uh, they, they guard the three, they guard the two, they force turnovers, create some easy buckets on offense, and it's just nothing comes easily against them. When you look at uh, you know, they, they held in a loss, they held St. John's to 53 points, uh, a one-point loss, and in a four-point loss. They held LSU to 66. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. first team to 60, first team to 65 probably wins that basketball game. And uh, I think ECU is comfortable playing that style. But, uh, yeah, North Texas, is uh, they, they have a one of the best under-the-radar program I think, in, in the country. Of course, won the NIT a year ago.
0: College basketball writer Brian Wall. One more thing in the American before, uh, if you can hang through the break, then we'll talk some other games. But uh, the uh, final game of that sort of American triple header on uh, Saturday, 8 o'clock on the U, will be Charlotte and UTSA. Charlotte's uh, had a pretty nice season to date. Uh, They're in a first-year coach situation that was kind of hurried. They may have even upgraded at the coach. I'll let you speak to that. But uh, UTSA coming off an overtime loss at Memphis.
1: Yeah, I was very impressed with Aaron Byrne when I spoke with him this summer. Uh, first time really, really talking with him, long time assistant there at Charlotte, but, but really most of his experience comes from the professional leagues in Australia. And you can tell he was going to operate this program in the same nature. Uh, had some ideas of how to spice up the offense a little bit. Uh, they've, uh, continued to play at a slower pace like they did under Ron Sanchez, but, um, pretty efficient, pretty big. Team, uh, they can rotate a, a, a host of, uh, 610, 611 guys in there and, uh, have nice guard play and just seem very organized to have a good concept of, uh, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, they don't, uh, really have, uh, maybe one questionable loss, but they've kind of taken care of business and of course beating FAU on Saturday is just a, a huge win for that program which in my opinion should be one of the top five programs in the American and it'll be interesting to see if they uh, stick with Fern long term down there I think he's certainly proven that he's worthy
0: Alright uh, Brian hang through the break we'll come back we'll talk about the rest of the uh, college basketball slate for Saturday with Brian Mall, still to come Steve and I go it's the Get You to the Weekend edition of the PJ Show We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's showtime. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3, The Game. All right, uh, Brian Mole is uh, with us uh, here. It is uh, college basketball uh, in uh, full throat here, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. Uh, Brian joins us here. Before we get to the uh, local teams, I wanted to ask you a little bit about – uh, Kansas on the bounce back, uh, from the UCF loss. Uh, they'll get, uh, number nine Oklahoma in the, uh, barn there in Lawrence, uh, tomorrow. And, uh, Oklahoma is coming off just their second loss this week to TCU. Uh, bad day to be a sooner tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's, this is not going to be a, uh, offended by the Jayhawks that they're running into. They don't take kindly to losing and they are not interested in surrendering their death grip on the first place in the Big Twelve, which Bill Self has just uh in one of the most incredible streaks in, in sports, uh the way they've dominated that league in the regular season. So uh yeah, the Big Twelve is is the best ba- basketball conference in the country. It's deep. I mean it's possibly a nine team Nine teams wow. in the NCAA tournament type of league, uh, certainly eight, and uh, it's going to be a war or fight every night, but uh, Fog Allen will not be a welcoming place for the Sooners on Saturday, I would not think.
0: Yeah, Brian Mole with us here. Let's get uh, to some of the Tobacco Road teams. Uh, obviously, North Carolina winning uh, in a bit of a grinder. That was a bit of a surprise. Uh, is North Carolina that good, NC State that bad, or somewhere in between?
1: Um. I just thought uh, Carolina had a great game plan on defense. Uh, they did a terrific job of taking away NC State's ball screen offense and uh, containing their guards, again, not letting them penetrate and uh, create any open shots at the basket or kickouts for threes. And you look at this North Carolina team going on the road and holding three consecutive opponents under 60 points, uh, uh, a Clemson team that was playing very well until they ran into the Tar Heels. And and when I watch uh, North Carolina and to a degree Duke, I feel like you've got two guys who were longtime assistants over there who always maybe wanted uh, their team to, to defend at a little bit higher level. <laughs> and uh, now that they're in the head chair, they've made that an emphasis. Both teams are uh, ranked top 15 in the country in defensive efficiency and really uh, emphasizing it anytime you hear the coaches comment after the game. So, uh, uh, that bodes well for the both of their futures and, uh, their matchup here. And, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a, b- a big one here in a couple of weeks. So
0: with NC State and Kevin Keats, I mean, two years ago, a last place finish. Last year, an early exit in the NCAA tournament, uh, a, an atrocious record against, uh, UNC. We, we talk about hot seat coaches. How does Keats keep the job
1: in Raleigh?
0: It just, they don't care?
1: Uh, they do care. I mean, I think that's obvious. Uh, but three, three NCAA bids in seven seasons. Uh, you know, never seeded higher than than ninth in the tournament. Uh, only advancing, uh, well, never advancing past the round of 64. Uh, you know, 12 and 8 last year. Their best uh, ACC. Mark during his tenure and you just have to wonder, um, you know, I'm not completely, uh, clear on all of his contract details, but, uh, you know, this is a program that's just been mired in that 40 to 70 range nationally. And I don't think, uh, that's acceptable to, to any of the folks in Raleigh. And certainly losing to the team, uh, in the lighter blue shade, uh, consistently as, as they have is, is not, um, has not gone over well either. So uh, I, I think this is a big month and a half for, for Kevin Keats and NC State. Uh, you know, the, the football program's in, in pretty good shape over there, and um, they certainly want the basketball program to be on the same level. And we just I feel like we see the same team with, with NC State every year. Uh, you know, they have some explosive guards, and uh, they're just kind of average at best on the defensive end, and uh, you just really can't trust them uh in a big game against stiff comp-
0: competition. Um so they'll try to bounce back at Louisville tomorrow, should be able to do that, even though it's on the road. Uh Carolina should extend their win streak at home tomorrow, uh gaming here on ninety four one one oh two seven. Uh and uh they'll have Syracuse in. Uh Wake has Virginia tomorrow. Kind of an interesting watershed moment for both teams early season.
1: Yeah, I think Wake's the better basketball team than Virginia. I've not been impressed with Virginia at all when I've watched them this year. Um, It just feels like uh, Tony Bennett's had a hard time adapting to this new world of portal and roster turnover. And they just do not have the, uh, you know, as good a coach as Tony is. He has some really good players, too, for a stretch there. And that's, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and guys like that. ACC Player of the Year caliber type guys. And now you're looking at this Virginia team that's, uh, that's pretty middling. You know, they're, they're no longer elite on the defensive end. They're still solid, but not what they were and, uh, very poor on the offensive end, uh, really 125th in efficiency and and still play at a glacial pace. So when you combine those two factors, they're, they're just not capable of putting a lot of points on the board. I I feel like Wake Forest, uh, has the size to, to really control the paint in this game. And, uh, I, I think this is a big, a big moment for Steve Forbes as he tries to take Wake Forest to the, his first you know, NCAA tournament. And, and really, he's, he's done a fine job resurrecting the program. But, uh, again, this is a game that if you want to make an NCAA tournament, you need to take care of business. And I, I expect the Demon Deacons to do so.
0: All right. And then uh, Duke tomorrow will go for their eighth win in a row. Um, and uh, it will be against Georgia Tech. Kind of a uh, favorable portion of the schedule for the Blue Devils right now, who had their best performance at Pitt this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking down the road, I mean, we could, we could have like an N UNC team versus an 8 and 1 Duke team. The schedule shakes out. I mean, obviously there's always opportunity for, for upsets on the road, but, uh, but I think both teams are, are in a stretch here where they can continue building momentum. And Duke's defense has been terrific. And if, if Kyle Filipowski played against Pittsburgh every game, he'd be the best player in the world. Um, <laughs> he has absolutely put up some numbers against them in his three or four meetings with them in his career that have been phenomenal. And uh, and Duke has certainly had the upper hand in that matchup, but uh, yeah, I, I, who would have thought Tyrese sparker's injury and subsequently now coming off the bench was the key to this Duke team finding a, a certain spark and chemistry? Seems like the guys have uh, bought into their roles. Uh, the emergence of Mark Mitchell has been incredible. He, he struggled early in the season, especially in some of the bigger games, and he's a very important piece of, of what they do with his versatility and. Uh, has to be a scoring threat, which he certainly has been. And, um, you know, Duke's got to, they, they, they've, uh, they've had three tests this year. They haven't been tested quite as much as North Carolina, but, uh, they, they passed the most recent one, a, a, month, a month, three weeks or so ago against Baylor. And, um, they've mm-hmm. just got to keep building, uh, with, with some games that certainly they, they should be, be a, a large favorite in here coming up.
0: All right, uh, Brian, anything tonight, uh, tomorrow, or Sunday we have it covered you think uh, might be worth somebody's interest to check out on a uh, ball night?
1: Um, You know, the SEC has got a couple of good matchups on Saturday, uh, and then Houston will we'll be looking to bounce back from a rare conference loss. Uh, where, again, Big 12 is relentless. They have to go to TCU um, on Saturday night, but uh, – those of us who know Kelvin Sampson know that uh, Cougars will be prepared
0: College basketball writer Brian Mull following him on X at BG Mull. Uh hey buddy thanks a lot, we'll talk to you soon
1: Thanks Patrick, everybody have a great
0: weekend Awesome stuff, there he goes, Brian Mull. Uh Igo's going to be with us, let's punch him up uh, Pilk, get him on the screen for the video audience, there he is slaving away over a hot keyboard, Steven Igo ladies and gentlemen all right. What's going Igo, on? Stand by. Pilkington's going to do an update, and then uh, we'll bring in the host of Hoist the Colors Radio, the phenomenon that is sweeping Pirate Nation on the airwaves. Steve and I go. will be uh, with us to talk uh, the portal that was this week for the uh, Pirates. So stand by for that. Here is the one and only Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94.3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. Pil-
2: Thanks, Pete, man. We will start in Pirate Athletics. The basketball team will be back in action tomorrow against SMU. Tip-off for that one's at 4 o'clock. Network coverage will start right here on 94.3, the game at 3.30. The Pirates had a suffocating defensive performance against the Temple Owls last time out. Coach Schwartz says that defense creates offense, even if the players don't always agree. Coaches believe defense creates offense. Yep. Players believe offense creates defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Balls going in, they, they get to another level on defense, oh, yeah. coaches see the, the defense playing well, we say, well, it's the offense. Yeah. Th- that's going to benefit from the defense, but that's, like Mike said, that's in all sports. <laughs> the women will be back in action tomorrow when they travel to Tulane at 3 o'clock. You can watch that on ESPN+. Matt Mintz of 247 Sports has reported that former Miami and Missouri quarterback Jake Garcia is expected to transfer to ECU. He played nine games in his time with the U, but did not appear in any games this season for Missouri. 37-year-old Jared Mayo was named the new New England Patriots head coach. He was a linebacker with the team from 2008 to 2015, and he also has been the inside linebacker's coach with the organization from 2019 through 2020. This will be his first head coaching gig. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will be joined by Stephen Igo of Voice the Colors as the transfer window comes to an end in college football.
0: We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94 3 The Game. But it's nothing more than a, uh, shameless attempt to boost our ratings and, uh, get us more clicks on the video side. We bring Steve and I Igo from Hoist the Colors in. He's got great info. I don't want to, you know, discourage you from, from consuming that, but, uh, this is, this is simply a click scrap. This is clickbait. We get Igo on. That's all it is. Steve. That's, even, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. It's the sweetest thing I've ever said to you. Uh, Stephen Igo, my, uh, colleague and buddy, uh, with, uh, the ECU, uh, coaches show, Inside Pirate Athletics. We'll be back at it Monday at, uh, Tiebreakers at six o'clock. Speaking of Monday, on the Monday, uh, show, Christy Overton Johnson will be in the studio with me. So we got that coming up. Uh, she's about to embark with her ministry. And who's, those of you who don't know, she, uh, a world champion, water skier out of, uh, out of here in Pitt County. In fact, I think it was Sports Illustrated. said she was the greatest athlete to come out of North Carolina when they did something like their 50th or 75th anniversary, and they named all of the uh, great athletes to come out of the uh, respective states. And think about that. She was the top one to come. I mean, world champion, so of course. Uh, but she's about to embark with her prison ministry. She's going to be going to seven prisons over a week's span coming up. So we're going to talk to her about all of that. It's it's really crazy. All right. Uh Steven Igo is here with us. The portal is uh shutting down here shortly. And uh Pilk reported it in the update. You've been reporting it for well over a week. There's gonna be another yes, Virginia. There will be another quarterback named Garcia playing for ECU. Um so you know I thought we had the quarterback that uh, that the Pirates coveted. Uh, what's going on here with uh, another highly rated quarterback coming
3: in? What are we reading into this? Competition? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you can't afford to put yourself in the situation ECU was in last year and – I mean, look, they love Caden Hauser. I like Caden Hauser a lot. I think he can be the guy. I would still put him as the favorite to be the guy. But the last thing you want to do, Patrick, is find yourself in the same situation you were in last year where you thought you had the guy, and Mason Garcia did not work out. And then, obviously, Flynn did his best. But, you know, there there were problems across the offense. But clearly, they didn't have the quarterback situation figured out. So, if you're John David Baker and your goal is to solidify the quarterback room You've got to bring in multiple guys. They always wanted to bring in a second guy and ideally get them in for spring practice because you want them to go through the spring, the offensive install. If they get in in the summer, like Cole Hodge, the freshman will be in, they'll just kind of be behind the learning curve. So they they had to add somebody. And all things considered, to already have Caten Hauser and then to get a guy like Garcia with his potential, his background, I think uh, it's about a best-case scenario situation.
0: Tell the folks about Jake Garcia and just his, you know, recruit, uh, where he was thought of coming out of high school by 247 and the other recruiting services, went to the U, went to Missouri, didn't play at Missouri last year. But, you know, when you look at Jake Garcia, again, the, the bona fides look like, uh, that, uh, there's a real huge potential for him and the same thing for Hauser, but, uh, run through the Jake Garcia makeup, if you will, Stephen.
3: So, again, California guy, oddly enough, you've got two former four-star recruits in California <laughs> uh, set to battle it out to be the starter at ECU. This is the era of the transfer portal. But, yeah, just a uh, a guy who was extremely highly recruited, moved all over the country, I think five high schools in four years, and some of that was due to COVID. He actually went to uh, Valdosta, was ruled ineligible. His family, his parents actually legally split so he could move to Georgia and play high school football per their uh, per their rules. And he ended up going to, uh, to, to Grayson in Georgia, which is one of the top programs there, won a state mm-hmm. championship. He actually mm-hmm. was committed to Southern Cal as a four-star recruit. And then John David Baker was on staff at that time under Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator. So there's kind of your connection there with JDB. He flipped late in the process to Miami. And then in 21, played in one game, injured his ankle, missed the year uh, after throwing two touchdown passes. And then in 22 was the backup to Tyler Van Dyke, played in eight games, started one uh, against Virginia, won that game as a starter, his only game as a starter. And then Mm -hmm. in 23, goes to Missouri looking for more playing time. Uh, Missouri actually had his starter coming back. They had another highly recruited guy, so he just kind of got beat out at Missouri. He was the third-string guy there and didn't play at all. So now he's looking to, to play somewhere again. He's coming in this transfer portal window where multiple-time undergrad transfers are allowed to go and be eligible right away. So well-traveled, talented, but certainly unproven, and I think has a lot of things to uh, to prove at ECU.
0: With Caden Hauser, um, and you've talked to him quite a bit, you've talked to his dad quite a bit, We've got Steve and I go with us here on the Patrick Johnson show with, uh, hoist the colors talking about the pirates, uh, in the portal with Hauser. Um, you know, he's a competitor. He's an alpha. So I guess he's viewing this as, Hey, competition is, is welcomed, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, look, it, it they told him all along they were going to bring in another quarterback. I don't know if, it's, I don't even know if ECU thought they could have gotten a guy of of Garcia's caliber as the other quarterback. So maybe that was a little bit of a surprise. But the interesting thing, I was actually texting a family friend of Kate Hauser yesterday. And apparently these two guys have thrown together in LA, in California for a number of years now. So they actually know each other pretty well. They actually have some uh, similar, uh, you know, training people that they work with. So, they know each other. Uh, they definitely know of each other. And, and so I'm I'm certain that that will be an interesting dynamic going into the quarterback room as well. And, again, two guys from California coming to ECU to play and continue their college career. Uh, but if you're Kaden Hauser, you know, the thing is he got here. He's here already in school. Jake Garcia will probably be here next week unless something changes, of course. But uh, he is on track to enroll and commit here. And so, Caton has a little bit of a leg up on getting to know his teammates. He was in the initial team meeting this past Sunday, so that plays a little bit of a role. He's been here since December as far as visiting, committing, whereas Garcia's kind of coming in. I don't even know if he's visited yet. So, I think Hauser has a little bit of a head start, and uh, he was the guy they took first. So, I I would still consider him the favorite, but if you're the coaching staff in the spring, to me you have to open it up as a true competition, give both guys number one reps and see what happens.
0: And, I, and again, I, from what, you know, my conversations with Mike Houston, yours as well, that seems to be the plan. Uh, there, there's also maybe a, a bit of an anticipation of whichever guy may not get there. You know, they may they may hit the portal again in that post spring. So I, I think they're preparing for that inevitability uh, potentially uh as well. But who knows? Who knows?
3: That's the thing is like it's it's just really odd, Patrick, it's. You know, if you're if you're Garcia, you've already transferred this much. If you come in for the spring and you don't see yourself as a starter at the end of the spring, do you pack up and leave again after just like three, four months in Greenville? I mean, I guess what's stopping them if unlimited transfers ends up being passed? Right. But at some point, do you just say, "Hey, let me just stick it out here and see what happens"? Because still, you know, if whoever for whatever reason Hauser or Garcia doesn't win the job, if they end up leaving. ECU is going to be in the same boat they're gonna to have to go get another quarterback transfer to be the backup because at that point you you know you'd only have Raheem Jeter and Cole hodge we still don't know what Alex Flynn is going to do if you're Flynn was no, at the situ- that. yeah I mean if you're, if you're looking at the situation for Alex Flynn they're bringing in two quarterbacks probably to put ahead of you and uh, you know you got to wonder what his mindset is right now
0: with uh, the receiver room for the Pirates they got some upgrades out of this portal as well do you see them uh, from an offensive standpoint, obviously linemen are needed. But uh, what do you see the Pirates maybe adding potentially out of the portal here before it closes uh, to the offense?
3: So the biggest thing, I think they're done at receiver at least for now. Maybe after spring, you look at you know adding something else. Uh, tight end is a area where they're still looking to to add. Casey Kelly is a transfer from Oregon, has not announced his commitment yet, but he was at Ole Miss with John David Baker. He has been in talks with East Carolina. He's a guy to watch, and and it would be a guy who has one year of eligibility. Ample experience at Ole Miss and Oregon would be a big add to a already pretty good tight end room. Uh, And then offensive line-wise, they've picked up two guys there, Kayshawn Sapp and also Darius Bell. Kayshawn coming from Florida State, Darius Bell coming from Maine. Both of those guys project as interior linemen. I would still like to see them add an offensive tackle, It sounds like they've got a visit set up this weekend with a transfer at offensive tackle who could add some depth and some upside there. So I would say tight end, keep an eye on Casey Kelly, and then offensive line-wise look for them to continue to try and add talent and depth there. How about uh, defensively? Defensively, they are still working on some corners. You know, you did lose Antoine Jackson to the portal. We had Savon Revel, uh, by the way, on the – the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's uh he's coming back, but uh, he needs some running mates. They did add Andrew Wilson Lamp, a transfer from West Virginia, but they uh they're working on a couple more guys who have visited, who have not announced yet, but should announce. Still looking for defensive line depth. You like the top of that room, but the numbers uh, took a bit of a hit with some transfers leaving, who are going to be rotational players. And then they got to add a safety, in my opinion. They got to add some depth at safety. Damon Magazoo new safeties coach, working on that. I expect him right. to add at least one or two players at safety in Tom,
0: We're uh, talking to Steve and Igo uh, about the uh, portal and the Pirates uh, with football. They've been uh, very active in that, a lot of excitement with some of the talent. They've brought in some upgrades, certainly a quarterback, uh, you would think, from a talent perspective uh, with uh, what they've brought in. Uh, this, uh, the past couple of weeks. Uh, anybody that got in, you, you mentioned Antoine Jackson. Is, is there anybody that got in that was surprising to you?
3: As far as leaving ECU from the portal? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest surprise to me was Taylor Jackson, linebacker. He ended up transferring to Liberty. From everything I heard, he thought right. he was going to yeah. go Power Five or whatever. Um, you know, I guess that's the cool thing to do. But he ends up at Liberty, and you know they'll play ECU next year, so that'll be interesting to to kind of see how that unfolds. But he had a starting spot here; he had waited his time, and you know played behind some guys, and then he was second on the defense and snaps last year, played pretty well. So, like if he comes back, he's going to be a defensive leader, and then he just up and transfers kind of out of nowhere. It, it, to me, it was just kind of a head scratching move. Now. And he was going to get paid pretty good money at ECU from the NIL collective, not like breaking the bank. But I just don't see him getting paid a lot at Liberty. Maybe I'm wrong there. Liberty actually has a pretty good NIL as well. But uh, it just it seemed like a bit of a head-scratching move to me. But, again, I don't blame these guys for taking a chance, for moving on. College football, NCAA has created this mess. Uh, but he just kind of surprised me a little bit.
0: You kind of talked about where you think the Pirates need to uh, get some – help out of the portal. Is there anybody in any of these spots that's currently on the roster you feel like could step up and maybe fill some of these uh, positions or be a contributor?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big key, too, is we we get so caught up in the portal and what's new, the, the flashy, cool stuff coming in, but we, we forget about these guys who may be redshirted last year or are still developing. Like I look at linebacker. Speaking of Taylor Jackson leaving, Zakai Barker will be a third-year guy. Mm -hmm. Played a little bit last year as a redshirt freshman. He was just a tackle machine in high school, and he was a tackle machine last year in some pretty limited action for ECU's defense. He's a guy I think can make a big leap. There are several other young linebackers who I'm really high on that just haven't played yet, but now will get the opportunity to play. At corner, you look at a guy like Isaiah Brown-Murray, who emerged the second half of last year. I think he can be more consistent. In 2024. And then there's several, several safeties with Tegan Wilk transferring out and, and obviously Julius Wood moving on. I look at a guy like Omar Rogers who came in as a transfer last year. He was an all CAA guy from Elon. He got injured, but I think he can be a starter this year for the Pirates and play a pretty big role in the back end. So defensively, that's kind of how I would handicap it. And then on offense, you know, who's going to emerge in that running back room that's coming back? It's a good room, but who's going to emerge as the guy or two? And then offensive line-wise, we we talk about the additions there, but there are several starters returning from last year from a unit that was very up and down that needs to be more consistent. And so I'm looking at that entire unit and seeing who improves in spring under a new offensive line coach. Yeah,
0: and I wonder if a new coach is going to breathe a little more life into that that grouping. It seems like it will. It just, just seemed like the plan last year never made any sense, offensively but certainly up front. Yeah.
3: It seemed like Alan Mogridge and Donnie Kirkpatrick, for whatever reason, never gelled. New offensive line coach after Steve Shankwaller is retiring. And, uh, I don't know. It, it was just, it was a weird, it was a weird vibe I got from the offense. It, they were, they were like trying to do different stuff in the run scheme from week to week. They went from zone running to power running, you know, from week to week. And there was just no real consistency, no real flow. They moved guys around from the spring to the to the summer to the fall. So it was just like I, I think a yeah. more concise, clear plan can make a big difference. Yeah, just no identity last year. And now granted sure. a lot of
0: that was more offensive line play and, and quarterback play was pretty lousy, but uh you know, it just it just seemed kind of um, I don't know, just just they, they had nothing to hang there was no there was no bellwether plan there there was no bailiwick there was nothing there that uh, was the identity all right uh, got basketball tomorrow smu coming to town to the coliseum uh, ecu looking to go to three and one in conference for the first time since i was a freshman at ECU. that's how long ago that was i go the 90s middle 90s my freshman year
3: it's uh anytime ecu wins two or three games in a row in basketball it's a big deal especially when one of those is on the road and Patrick, they have never won three games in a row in American play, which is hard to believe, seen as they entered the league in 2014-15. So it's about time to break that streak. SMU, extremely good defensively, mm-hmm. uh, much improved over last year. I think they're only giving up 61, 62 points a game. They're only allowing teams to shoot 26% from three-point range. So it could be a lower-scoring slugfest type of game. you got the Mike Schwartz-Rob Lanier factor. They were on the same staff at Tennessee. These two teams split last year. Uh, but I'm hoping for a big crowd of Minji's on Saturday.
0: Do you have? Uh, you'll be there. Hoist the colors. Will be there tomorrow. Or,
3: or all right. Very exciting. HTC will be in the building.
0: All right, there we go. HTC and the great Steve and I go. Is there anything else that uh, you want to make mention of within the Pirate Athletic realm or the American or just anything that uh, before we we let you go here?
3: I think I mean just a couple things on the basketball front. I think. It's just going to be an interesting year because there's so much parity in the league. Even Memphis struggled with UTSA. We saw FAU lose to Charlotte. I think every game is going to be wide open, and I think we can see ECU maybe make a a leap up the pecking order, hopefully if they continue to play at this level compared to past years. Uh, Baseball-wise, we're just a couple weeks out from media day, and uh, we will start our interviews with a couple of the players. I know at some point we're going to get guys on uh, the Patrick Johnson show as well. We've got some guys signed up through deals for Team Boneyard. I'm going to have Trey Savage and uh, Carter Cunningham on Monday's edition of Hoist the Colors, and then we'll get some guys as well in the Patrick Johnson So kind of preseason, in-season as well. So looking forward to to having those guys, Cam Claunch, uh, Jacob Starlin, and uh, missing one. Uh, Justin Wilcoxon as well. We'll have them on 94-3 the game throughout the year. Wow, good
0: stuff. Um, yeah, your, your point to the basketball as well, I mean, look, FAU got a break last night at Tulane, uh, in order to get out of there with a the win. So, uh, it kind of got an officiating break as the road team. So, uh, but I mean, that was a game that went right down to the wire. UTSA was giving Memphis all they could handle this week. So, uh, I, and I'm excited about the Pirates. They got a real opportunity tomorrow. I, I think you got to get out of these next two at home with at least a split. Can't go 0 and 2 over these next two because then you got two road games after that and the road's always a bit of a crapshoot. So, uh, to me, if you're look, you go two and zero, even better. But I, you got to figure out a way to, to at least get out of there. At worst, with a split over these next two uh, tomorrow and uh and Wednesday.
3: All right, I agree. I go. you get, yeah, you got to win yeah, one. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, one, you, you know, you, you got a couple of two game road trips coming up, and I think at the end of the year, Patrick, they have to go to SMU and North Texas back to back on the road. So this is kind of like the reverse of that. Yeah, so you, yeah. you want to at least win one. Yeah,
0: hey, uh, great stuff. I go. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow. Uh, don't forget, Stephen, with Hoist the Colors Radio, and he's going to have Trey Savage on Monday in the uh, noon edition. Who else did you say you're going to have on Carter today? Carter uh, Cunningham. Cunningham. Carter Cunningham. Yeah. Okay. Good uh, interview there, and uh, looking forward to having you, Savage, on. He had uh, a really strong summer with uh, the USA team. Uh, so, uh, looking forward to that interview with Stephen On Monday and then Stephen and I will be back at it, uh, from tiebreakers with, uh, coach Swartz and inside pirate athletics talking ECU uh, hoops and all things ECU athletics. All right, Stephen, have a great weekend. Thanks. Appreciate it guys. Alright, there you go. Steve and I go with us uh, here. We're going to get a break and uh, come back and set the table for the weekend and get you ready for uh, tomorrow. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on 943 The Game. 943thegame.com and the the IBX media app. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. (laughs) It's the P-Man here on 943 The Game. Uh, gets you to the weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Did you uh, announce yesterday about the Panthers playing in Germany?
2: Yeah, I I we, did.
0: we were going to have Zoki about it, but did you do it on the update?
2: Yeah, it was in the update.
0: You think they'll stay over there? Is there any way we just keep them over there?
2: Uh, I hope not. I'm hoping they, they're at least home for the Chiefs game. I want to see Patrick Mahomes play.
0: Ah, there you go. They can stay over there for who the other like, games. Who you like this weekend, Pilk? Who you got? NFL.
2: Um, sorry. Here, I will do this so you can see. Um, I uh, I like the Eagles as far as the road team goes, and other than that, I think I'm on all the home teams. So Cowboys, Lions in the NFC, and then AFC. I like. Oh no, I like the the um the Browns on the road, and then I like. Do you? Uh, yeah, so I guess I'm on all the twos, the threes, and the fives, which is the cliche thing to do, I guess. But there will be some upset. I don't know who it is. I think this has been a whack NFL season. There's going to be some crazy upset. I just don't know what game it is. I don't have a gut feeling on which game. Green Bay-Dallas? It would be nice, wouldn't it, Patrick? It would be nice. <laughs> give, me a, give me a Bart Starr touchdown run with two minutes to go. Relive the ice Bowl. That's what I want.
0: I'm trying to, I'm trying to manifest that, but to, actually the longer the Cowboys go when they do inevitably lose, the sweeter it kind of is. Okay. That's I can get on that. Yeah. I mean, look, Green Bay's the problems, big problems defensively. Um, so coming up Monday, Trey Savage, Carter Cunningham with I go at noon on hoist the colors radio here on 94 three, the game. And we're going to have. Christy Overton Johnson in studio. It'll be a three o'clock video feed. Of course, five o'clock for ninety-four-three. The game and the great Philip the Ref Pilkington will wrap things up on uh, Friday, excuse me, Monday, ahead of uh, our uh, Inside ECU Athletics from uh, Tiebreakers. Looking forward to a nice crowd out there uh, again. Pirate basketball tomorrow. It will be a uh, 4 o'clock tip against SMU. Big game for the Pirates. Hope a lot of fans will come out to Minji's Coliseum. If you can't make, you can always listen to the games here on 94.3, the game 107.9 WNCT and the IBX Media app, or catch it on ESPN Plus with Cy Seymour and myself. Thanks to Brian Mole for being on with us today. Thanks to uh, Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors, Talking the Portal and the Pirates, and uh, thanks to uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington. Another great week of uh, shows we had this week, and uh, you can go back and relive all of the uh, fun and frivolity uh, from the last couple of days. Got a lot of great reaction, Pilk, to yesterday's show with uh, Dimitri and uh, also with uh, on. two great personalities.
2: Talking hey, uh, yesterday. I was hoping we were going to play Hold My Beer with Zoke and we ran out of time. It was just such a full yeah, show yesterday.
0: Kind of, yeah, just kind of got a little, you know, today was a full show, too. So it's just one of them things. But uh we'll be back at it, of course, uh with an episode of Hold My Beer coming up, perhaps, uh, next week. We're going to have some interesting shows uh for you. Cy Seymour will also be on next week. Uh, probably get Zoke back. I think we need to get Zoke back on the NFL because there's so much happening, you know. And uh you look at what's happened up in New England. They've already hired a coach. What, half of Belichick's age, probably?
2: Yeah, I guess. Quite so close. Guys, younger than Patrick, and Patrick's a young man. Yeah. Well, not anymore.
0: All right. Uh, thanks again to our guest. Thanks to you, Philip. And uh, we'll catch everybody Monday morning. Talk of the town at 7 a.m., 1037, seven ninety six three. Back here. Patrick Johnson show, 3 o'clock video, 5 o'clock, 943, the game. And then tomorrow, 4 o'clock ESPN. Plus. See you then. Have a great and safe weekend, everybody. Be safe out there tonight uh, with the uh, weather overnight. Take care.